everyone. Thanks for coming back. Um, this is Jace and I'm Yinling. <laughs> Welcome to the Freelancers Exchange, where every week um, we speak to a freelancers um, about freelancing and the gig economy. Um, who we have here today, may I guess? So today we have Alex with us. Alex is actually um, one of the few, you know, um, veteran film music composer in Singapore. Um, I would say most of the local film was done through him or, you know, he's involved in some way. Um, he composed for international films like The Maid um, as well as The Bait. So probably you're familiar with them as well. So, hi Alex. Hi Alex. <laughs> Hello. Hi everyone. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Um, yes. Maybe you'd like to quickly introduce yourself um, to our audience here. Yes, uh, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm a film composer, uh, music producer and uh, pianist. And uh, so far, I've done, um, I've scored um, 19 feature films. I'm currently doing uh, three at the moment. Um, so uh, hopefully that will go well um, by the end of this year. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, that's what I am. Great. Thank you. So just now you mentioned you're working on three local film currently. So roughly when will we be able to see the film out in the theatre? Um, I think the first one is, uh, you will see A Simple Wedding. Um, it will be shown, I think it's the July period. Okay. So we are all rushing for the date night at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah. Just out of curiosity, how long does it actually take to like score a film? Like, do they get you in right um, at pre-production or is it after the film has been shot? Uh, depends on the project depends on of course the director or producer you know I, I would prefer to be in as early as possible and uh, we all know sometimes you know a film may take some years to produce so but it is always good to um, get a composer in in the very beginning because um, you I, I will have like certain ideas you know while talking to the director or producer and of course you know Certain things may change along the whole production process, and uh, but once I have a certain sense of the story, and when the time comes to uh, for post production or the scoring, you know, and I will have a like you know a, a more mature um, a st perhaps story plot or or the actual story in my in my head, mm. and so that is very important for me. If not. Um, most of the time, unfortunately, you know, I come in at a point whereby filmmakers or producers mm. come to the post-production stage and then they think, oh, who should we get to score, you know? <laughs> no music to yes. put in. <laughs> and the, the difference is this, because the producers and filmmakers has been working on it for like maybe half a year, one year or two years or more, you know, they have a very strong sense of the story. Mm. But for people like us who come in like at the end, almost at the end of the process, we struggle, you know, to firstly find the, you know, so what's going on? Yeah. You know, it's like suddenly yeah. I'm parachuting down on a war zone. You know, everyone is doing their own thing, but, you know, so what am I supposed to yeah. do? Yeah. You know, so I'm trying to find the bearing, trying to find, you know, and, and of course, this will eat into the production, uh, the scoring time. So to answer your question, um, preferably I will prefer six to eight weeks to, to score because the first two weeks is actually trying to understand. 
So it's not only just like creatively, yes. like creative side of it, you know, you have to understand the team as well. Yes. And What's going on? Because the music is actually saying, um, you know, it's actually telling a story, mm. you know, and sometimes it can either go with what's on screen or even more importantly, goes to say something which cannot be perhaps acted out or, you know, or yeah, told or, yeah. by the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just follow up with uh, Yelling's questions, right? So roughly, you know, um, as filmmakers, when we actually allocate our production budget, say for a feature film, right? Roughly, what is the percentage that we should allocate for this um, audio post um, productions to be safe? You know, is it like a percentage of the film that we have to allocate right at the beginning? Or, because I know a lot of the filmmakers actually, are, you know, like what you mentioned, right, kind of, you know, feel that, okay, I can deal with this at the last part. But then by the time they come to it, probably they will say, oh no, you know, I have passed my budget and things like that. So, to be safe in terms of allocations, right? So, um, how much do you think you would should. be considered as a good enough budget, right, uh, for a decent um, audio works to be done on the feature film? I would say, uh, if we include, of course, uh, um, the sound design mm. as well as the, the entire audio post, mm. um, then <coughs> it would be safe to say that uh, probably, uh, of course, depending on the, the whether it's a low budget, no budget, you know, or medium or high budget film, <laughs> Um, so as I think the lowest minimum uh, is perhaps f uh, somewhere 50 to 80,000 for the entire audio post and this is really really low you know um, and but if you like most um, films even the low budget ones will need some kind of uh, um, ensemble or scoring or this kind of things if you want the production quality to be good, yeah. uh, you know, of course. Yeah. So then, of course, if, if with that kind of uh, uh, thought, uh, you will need probably around 100, 120 mm. because you're paying for musicians, yeah. not just, you know, um, like a composer or, you know, sound designer or yeah. sound engineer, you know. Just to recording yes, everything. Yes, right? just the recording. You're talking about, you know, a team of between 20 to 30 people. You know, so if if you think about that size of people, uh, and and their budget is actually not a lot, uh. mm. yeah. yeah. Did I answer the question? Or? <laughs> yes, yes, you did, okay. you did. Yeah. So generally, you would think it should be around at least ten to fifteen percent of your production budget for the yeah. whole audio, la. Yeah. Mm. If if for music, I would say that it's safe to say around in terms of percentage, maybe 1% to 2% mm -hmm. of the whole entire budget. Mm -hmm. So, but that's normally the composer fee. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's why um, generally in Hollywood or even other places in Asia, mm -hmm. um, I talked to some Hong Kong producers before, mm -hmm. you know, so they asked, you know, what was like the highest budget for audio? Mm -hmm. I mean, for music mm -hmm. that you work with. Oh, I say around 150,000. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's not a lot. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Maybe that's a difference, <laughs> differentiating factor. Yeah, no, but because if, if you're talking about engaging ensemble, mm. you know, so it, it is that kind of amount, yeah. everything add, add on together, yeah. you know, so, yeah. So, Alex, you've actually been doing this for like, let's just say quite a few years. La. <laughs> but back, back then, what made you go into this line? Was this like your first your first choice of what you want to do, like, you know, when you're growing up or even in school, let's say, that, um, from that time, was it like, oh, I want to be a 
music composer, Unreal Audio Engineer, or was that something that you grew into? It was something I grew into. Um, I started out wanting to become a music producer. That is to um, to produce music albums for bands, you know, for artists, you know, for musicians, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, because I was inspired by somebody, I think when I was a teenager, 14 or 15 years old, and then I saw this uh, South African music producer, I said, wow, long hair, so cool, you know, can play piano, you know, well, and then produce our albums, you know, and then I went to the studio, then my eyes was like, oh man, I can live here, you know, like, this is my home, you know, with all the analog equipment, you know, uh, in the past, it was the, you know, the 24-inch thing, it was, uh, and the tape, and it sounds really, really good. You know, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, at that time, at that point, um, I, I wanted to become a, a music producer. Mm-hmm. And in 2001, uh, sorry, in 1999, I studied music production, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, in 2001, I decided, okay, you know, let's do this, you know. <laughs> so I had some partners at that point in time. And uh, we set up a company and we wanted to do uh, music production and maybe uh, TV commercials. You know, those 30-second jingles and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was just three very passionate people, you know, but it didn't work out. <laughs> so, but in any case, um, during 2001, okay, uh, how I went into this was in 2001, somebody approached me, uh, a friend of one of my partners. Um, he asked, can anybody arrange uh, this opening sequence of, uh, of the film? Mm-hmm. You know, So it was one leg kicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the music is already done. Uh, it was by, I think, uh, Kevin Matthews was the mm-hmm. one who did it. And then, uh, so I took his team, you know, and they just won some arrangement. It was like yeah. two or three minutes of it mm-hmm. in the very beginning. So, okay, I arranged something, you know, I let the music supervisor here mm-hmm. uh, to listen to it. Um, and the music supervisor was Joe Ng. You know, which later on we collaborated on many projects. So, but they heard it, they like it. You know, that kind of thing. So, so, and I never hear from them for <laughs> uh, for a few years. And then I remember, I remember at that point in time, um, uh, when uh, Joe came to me, it was like, uh, uh, we only got like. You know, like very little budget. Okay, I, I, I can tell you, it was only a few hundred dollars. Seriously, you know. So, but at the point in time, it was like, okay, I'm just okay, try. You know, mm-hmm. try this. So, did them a favor. They like it. And then two years later, they they uh, Joe came back. You know, and then said, hey, can you compose uh, music for TV drama? And just prior before this, I had a huge learning curve uh, by doing a. National Geographic documentary. So, um, nobody taught me anything. I have never done composition, uh, as in composing for screen. Um, and at that point, and in tw- that was in 2003, if you know, you know what technology was at the back then, at the time, it was terrible. You know, everything was slow. And, uh, and I had huge problems. But, you know, that particular um, uh, project Literally, I have all the learning curve. Yeah. I, I learned a lot of things from, from making mistakes, yeah. you know. So, um, by the time Joe came to me, he was like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. You know, I was quite confident <laughs> because I already been through a nightmare, Yeah. you know. So, 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 yeah, and we did it and it was Calvin Tong who was doing that TV series. Yeah. So, after that, 
Kevin decided, okay, uh, he wants to make his second feature. Yeah. You know, his first feature was Eating Air. Yeah. So he said, um, okay, I want to do uh, another feature mm. called The Maid. Mm. You know, it's a horror horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. So um, most of the team members, you know, we were like first time doing, you know, I mean, it was first time doing a TV series and then we went on to The Maid, yeah. which was the first time for everyone as well. Okay. So... Um, we did our best, you know, we, we really pushed, you know, it, you know, giving 300% of our time, effort and everything. Mm. So, and I think it turned out well, mm. you know, for the mate. Uh. Yes. And, and yeah. subsequent wise, you know, so that's how I got into it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I realised something when I was doing the National Geographic, mm. you know, um, why I wanted to do this was, while I was doing it, it's like suddenly I get a some kind of satisfaction you know when the music sort of sync and and lock with the picture and it becomes one it's very hard for me to describe that you know it's, it's like a satisfaction as well it's a kick you know to me it's like oh man this oh this works you know that kind of thing so, so and then I realised oh okay as much as I like to produce music album this is different you know it's like oh, you know I can stay up all night to do this <laughs> So that's why I'm doing it now, you know. For so never look back ever since. Never, yeah. But at that point in time when you're deciding to go into, you know, um, how, how should I say, uh, would you consider a free, yourself as a freelancer back then when you start yeah. this whole thing? Yeah, it probably wasn't really a choice at that time because <laughs> I told you, you know, it didn't work out. Yeah. So I have to right. do it on my own, yeah. you know. So, um, like, I mean, unfortunately, creatives, you know, are not really good business people, you know. And if we are, I mean, that is very good, you know. But most of us, honestly, are not, you know. We rather, you know, look at something nice. At, I just oh, want to do my craft. Yes, I just want to do my craft rather than look at numbers, yeah. you know. Yeah. But honestly, we can't separate the two, if, especially if you're a freelancer. Because you live by a, a project basis, you know, you get paid. Yeah by projects. So, which means if you are not doing anything for six months, you are not getting anything for six months. <laughs> However, your bills does not stop. You know, <laughs> you are still supposed to pay for things. Yeah, you know? Right. So, I think when I first started, at least for myself, I didn't really think about it. You know, I mean, young at the time, yeah, Chong just do it, you know. But after a while, reality does set in, you know, especially now, you know, when I have a family, you know, a few mouths to feed and all that kind of thing. So it does like forces you, you know, to like have at least something structured or at least pushes you, you know, to try to get more. You know, the one thing about freelancers, because you do everything yourself, yeah. you know, which means you are marketing yourself. Mm. If you're stuck in a project, you know, most of the time your brain just focus on what you're doing yeah. and you forgot about, you know, your networking, yeah, your marketing, true. you know. So in the sense, freelancers, as good as it sounds, you have your flexible hours, mm. you know, you'd be surprised to, 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 to know that you actually sleep very little. In fact, you do a lot of work, sometimes more than, you know, yeah. uh, um, uh, people who are working in office or, or have regular jobs, yeah. you know. So, but again, it's a bit of, uh, I mean, everything, there's always a trade-off, uh, mm. you know. So whether, if you are working for somebody, mm. 
you have stability, you know, you have, uh, you don't really need to worry about your monthly paycheck, you know, but the trade-off is you may not have as much freedom or creative freedom in the sense, uh, and then satisfaction, you know, because you're working for somebody else, you know, but if you're freelancers, then yes, you can have all your creative satisfaction and freedom that you want, you know, but, you know, the trade-off is you got to spend a whole lot more time you know, yeah. um, pushing yourself, you know, and getting jobs. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what do you do, like you mentioned, right, when you're so deep into a project, um, but you know that maybe after this project finishes, you have to line up the next project, right? Yes. So how do you, I mean, like, how do you step out of that to, like, say, oh, I have to go for this networking right now, or... You know, do you start making calls one month before the project ends and say, hey, anything up? Yes. I mean, all, all, of, the, all of the above, you know. <laughs> and you pray as well, you know. Kind of thing. And then, no, but the, the point is that I think everything, they always say, there's a saying, you know, success has to be planned, you know, and it's true. You have to plan, you have to make an effort even when you're really busy, you know, when, you know, your, your hair is, you're going to pull your hair out, that kind of thing. But you have to still, you know, take the time, you know, to, because everything is relationship-based, you know. Um, you, you, you just have to make time to, to meet the people, to, you know. Then, yes, of course, you know, when there's work, they will give to you, you know. And I don't think we can ever stop networking, you know, because... Firstly, our market size is already so small, <laughs> you know. So obviously, you know, and, and so we need to push even more yeah, that's right. because of our size. <laughs> you can't just uh, wait over there and then no. hopefully something will come to you, right? Uh, yeah, nothing's going to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, when you're saying that, I was just saying you cannot be passive. You have to be active mm. constantly. You know, I, I was a very passive person in the past, you know. So it was probably because when I went, uh, went to China, I was there for four years, I was forced in the environment, you know, to be active, you know, because nobody knows you. Yeah. You are not getting any job. You are starting from scratch. Yeah. You know? So you have to, you know, like actively, you know, go out, call, you know, your your skin got to be thick, lah, you know. They reject you 10,000 times, but you still call them, you know, hi, how are you? <laughs> you know, but you'd be surprised when I was there for the first year. Mm. I mean, I went there, I just digress a little bit. I, I went there because, I went there on holiday, and I realised, wow, there's so many TV channels over there. Yeah. You know, that means there's only one light bulb in my head, you know, like just, you know, brighten up inside. Oh, if there's so many channels, there must be a lot of TV commercials, you know. So it kind of linked the two yeah. up. Business part of you come out. Suddenly, yeah. Like, yeah. It was just like, yeah, I was first time. I was, I was. There was nothing for me to do, so I was flipping yeah. channels in front of TV, you know, in a foreign land. How sad yeah. it is. <laughs> so, but that's the truth, you know. So, and then oh, then I called my friend over there, you know, like he's a Singaporean but working there in the adver- advertising. Uh, um, industry. So I asked, hey, how's the advertising in Shanghai like? Uh? Yeah. I said, dude, if you want to do TVC music, you must come here. I said, really? Okay, let me try. You know, the counting. So you just let me try and you <laughs> stayed there for four years. Um, the first year was more like a to and fro. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. You know, but even that to and fro, I gotten eight TV commercials job oh. by knowing almost practically nobody, you know. But, but how, how do you manage to even secure this first eight? How do you manage to 
break into it? Uh, it was of course through some friends, you know, that that open up, you know. So sometimes, um, I think, especially for uh, what I'm doing, like uh, composition, you know, a lot of people ask, like, you know, like how did you get into this, you know? And the answer is there are many many variables, you know, that kind of thing, and luck is actually one of them. Mm. Being in the right place, the right Being time. Being at the right place, the right time, and then people helping you, you know, opening the door for you, you know. So I, I think um, even like how I got into film, it was, I didn't plan it, it was, you know, but I, deep down, I didn't know I wanted to do it until I, you, know, you found it. Yeah, until I found it. <laughs> But I think at the same time, a lot of it, as much as it is being the right place, the right time, knowing the right people, I think you have to be open to it mm. as well. Yes. Mm. Yeah, because I think a lot of creatives would be, oh, well, not a lot of creatives, just a lot of people in general. Mm. Even if they are offered, you know, it's like standing yeah. right there in front of you. If you don't go ahead and say, ask, you know, or yes. tell yourself, oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah. It's the the person is not gonna approach you and say, "Hey, can you do this for me?" Then yes, yeah. Right. I, I think this is especially true for Singaporean because we have always been quite reserved, yeah. right? So, um, you know, we kind of like pie say what they say, right? So yes. we don't really dare to ask for it. But sometimes you just need to take the first step. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like you said that the skin mm. has to grow a bit thicker, yes. <laughs> especially for freelancers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Nobody's gonna market for you. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's giving you the job. You know, yeah. you have to ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no marketing there's, there's no marketing no department marketing. behind you, yes, right? None. Zero. <laughs> so when was this four years that you were in China? Um, two thousand seven to two thousand eleven. Okay. So what bring you back to Singapore? Um, it was actually for the movie Bait. Um, and at the time, um, the lease uh, where I was staying, it was about to, uh, it was, uh, it was about to uh, finished. Mm. Yeah, it was about to end, and then. And um, I got a call, you know, from Joe. Mm. Hey, there's this shark movie. Do you want to do? I was like, yeah, of course. Why not? <laughs> shark. Hmm. I mean, in Singapore films, come on. Have we ever done any monsters or sharks? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, the moment you say shark, it's like, I mean, everyone thought, at least for me, you know, yeah. Jaws. Yeah. You know the counting? Why not? <laughs> so at that point in time, have you done similar things before? Or this is this probably potentially is a new showcase for you as well, right? A new challenge in that sense, yes. this whole project. Yeah, it's a new showcase. Um previously I think most of the films were from Calvin Calvin Tong. Mm. So um Calvin himself, he likes to do horror movies. Uh. <laughs> And very successful. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I, I remember that um, even when he was doing like a comedy, yeah. you know, Men in White, yeah. it was a comedy. And it's still, still horror. You know, there has to be a ghost yeah. inside. So, it was it was quite funny when I, when I was looking through, but, but that's him, you know, that kind yeah. of, that's his style, he's, 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 yeah. that's what he's good at, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, so, but nothing of the sort of uh, like monsters, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. I think generally, in Singapore, yes, we have the art house mm. kind of movies, and then uh, we have somewhat of the commercial, you know, kind of movies. Mm. And even commercial movies, you only get comedies or horror. Yeah, so, right. in the then there's nothing in between. Yeah, where's, where's the thriller? <laughs> where's suspense? Where's the monsters? Where's yeah, the fantasy? Yeah. You know, yeah. 
yeah, we don't have. So when that opportunity came, right? Of course, I jumped at it. Uh, you know that kind of thing. And then um, it was exciting because uh, get to go to Sydney mm-hmm. to record a forty-piece orchestra. Yeah. So. so- this was a fairly large production budget feature film, right, at that point in time. For Singapore. For like, Singapore, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. So I was just about to ask also, yeah, what's the experience that you have from, you know, getting from bait versus the other projects that you have done in Singapore? Uh, okay, like, um, um, at least for, in terms of um, local productions, um, what we call mock-up or demo, you know, uh, we means using um, the computer music samples or sounds you know to actually that purpose is to just show the director you know or producer how it, how the music will sound like you know for the scene you know uh, but because our budget is relatively uh, not not that high so we end up using mock-ups or demos you know um, of course sometimes I will like get in one or two musicians you know to, to play because as much as, of course, now the sample libraries has grown to be quite good, you know. But back in two thousand four, the mid, it was not like that, you know. I remember I was trying frantically, you know, to make the violin sound real, you know. And then I spent I spent like hours, like three or four hours on just a two minute or three minute thing, trying to make it sound real, you know. And then the violinist came. Less than five minutes got it right. Yeah. So I was, I was like, this is a waste of time. You know, and, and come on, one violinist, it's not expensive, yeah. you know, to, to get a person to come and play. Yeah. And and so that's that's my um um of course over the years, even now, yeah. you know, uh, as much as the the samples are better, mm. you know, but still when you have a live person playing nothing it's, beats a nothing beats. And in terms of um there's something um special. You know, about a live player, uh, you know, you can have all kinds of theories, but I think it's the energy that they that comes out from them. Uh, because music is supposed to be performed, you know. So, there's something special when somebody's playing live, you know, versus your mock-up yeah. samples. And then, um, it's easy when you watch it with the visual somehow you get connected to the to the visual. This is the special thing uh, which I find that uh, not many producers or directors, they understand. So unless we are doing something like, you know, the movie Tron, Tron Legacy, you know, yeah. Daft Punk and all that kind of thing. So unless we are doing that kind of a science fiction... Yeah, uh, that's a different type. Yes, MIDI samples, even, even they use orchestra uh, 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 to, to perform as well. So that's, that's why I think... Um, it drives me, you know, to to um, to want to push for uh, like the recording of uh, live musicians for films, you know, because I think if you have the kind of quality over any of your visual, right, the whole production quality just goes up, and then even for the audience when they watch it, they can easily connect to it. Yeah, so it, this is something which I'm very sure. You know, and and however, you know, we are still going to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anybody in the film industry, yeah. please take notes. <laughs> please set aside your budget first and before you start. Yeah. So we know recently you went back to school. Was it the experience of Bait brought uh, you, you back to school? Overseas, right? Yeah. Again, yeah. recently. Um, 2016, uh, September 2016 to, to last year's uh, November. About a year, um, I, w- I was uh, doing my masters in film scoring, 
uh, in Dublin, Ireland. So, um, yes, the experience of bed after that experience and actually more like uh, when we were doing bed, I have the, what do you call it? The, um, I have the full uh, team at my disposal to go and study because I have never studied film music composition, which means everything that I've done um, is based on my uh, knowledge at, at this point in time. You know, I did study, of course, classical music, uh, piano, you know, and all the theory and, and the kind of thing. So it was able to sustain me, of course, you know, for a while. And then I, but like a, anything, you want to grow and you want to be good at it if you're serious, yeah. you know. So I want to master my craft. Mm -hmm. And in between the time, of course, from May, from the May until, uh, until last year, I kept reading books, you know. I, uh, Self-studying. Self-study, self-taught, you know, uh, uh, YouTube, you know, mm -hmm. and, and whatever I can find online, mm -hmm. you know. Um, there wasn't really anybody that can help me um, in this um, because in Singapore, you don't have many people doing this. Yeah. You know, so there was nobody I can ask for advice. And I am very sure that for this kind of uh, like uh, craft and all, you, if you want to learn it properly, you have to learn from somebody who has either, you know, a master, uh, what they do, you know, so that, which is a master and apprentice thing. So, or study, you know. So, and again, we don't have film music school or anything like this. So, so seriously, you know, and... After a while, I, I get frustrated, you know, because it's like, you know, I try to, with every movie, of course, I try to, you know, do something different, you know, try Better. out certain things, you know. Uh, ho hopefully, the, the director doesn't fire me or anything, <laughs> you know, for trying weird things, you know. So, 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 um, but thankfully, you know, none. Um, um, anyway, but the thing, the point is, I, I wanted to grow. Yeah. And I feel that I reached a ceiling. And then, you know, the only way is to go for further studies. And I'm glad I did it. Yeah, so just now you mentioned as a freelancer, it's, you know, it's difficult to to take time out for yourself as well. But then you were away studying for nine months. How do you actually handle, you know, your clients, for example? So do you tell them, oh, you know, I'm on nine-month leave, so you cannot look for me? Or how, how do you juggle this, you know, in terms of running your freelance business, but yet, you know, still take time off to actually upgrade, upgrade yourself? Yeah. Uh, so you're doing both at the I same time. I was doing time. two things at one time. It was very tiring. I envy my classmates who, you know, weekends, they will go to some other cities, they will take pictures of themselves, see the beautiful <laughs> landscape. I was stuck Facebook in... I was stuck in that chair, working, <laughs> studying. You know, I didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> you, was there any plan for you though? Like, because I think a lot of uh, freelancers or even... I think just working professionals, la, let's not just mm. talk about freelancers, that hesitance of going to upgrade themselves, mm. you know, most likely um, they do want to. Yeah. But is that, like, you have a family, yes. actually, and then yeah. you, you just dropped everything and moved to a different country for nine months, yes. you know. And then you had to work at the same time and yeah. study. Like, did you prepare for it or were you just like, oh, let's go? And, and or what was the feeling to mm. finally push you what made you finally take that step to go and go overseas to study? Because yes. you were thinking about it for a long time, right? Yes, you said, yes. yeah. Mm. yeah. I was thinking about it for a long time. Um, 
I tried in 2012. Mm. It didn't work. Uh, no, see, I applied for a scholarship, but didn't get the money and it didn't work. Um, and then my wife got pregnant. So, um, so of course, delayed again, you know. And then 2015, um, I had this thought, uh, you know. So, and then, I, I, but I still kind of, you know, like, you know, like uh, undecided, you know, yeah. whether I want to do it or not. And then looking at my son growing up, you know, slowly but steadily, you know, that kind of thing is like, okay, you know, so do I really want to do this or do I, you know, like, you know, the dude is growing up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like even getting more and more difficult, mm, yeah. you know. And then... Is it more like I'll be missing his, his life? Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I, I try to be active, parent, you know, uh, active father. And uh, of course, um, so I, I, I decided, okay, you know, um, I'm going to apply for a scholarship uh, in 2016, you know, so, and unfortunately, I didn't get that, you know, and, but, um, so I, of course, I discussed with my wife, you know, um, uh, you know, how, because it's not like, when I when I just uh, in two thousand seven, when I can just drop everything and move to Shanghai, yeah. I was single, I was alone, I can do whatever I want, you know. I was young, yeah. you know. But now it's a different scenario. Yeah. So, in our respect and love and everything, so um, so we you know, discuss, you know, and then uh, she was fully supportive, you know, of what I want to do. If I want to study, fine, you know. Mm-hmm. If I don't want to study and I want to go like back to Shanghai or anything like that, yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so she was fully support. Then I remember I have that 10 minutes of my own time and thoughts and everything. I remember the moment because I got, I, I mean, I was a little bit saddened when I didn't, I didn't receive uh, the, the scholarship when the, the reply came. So I had that moment of uh, to myself and I thought about it. So will I regret, you know, this if that means I've got, I'm not going to think about it anymore mm. you know once mm. I pass this thing so we are regret in my in my years later years that I didn't go and study mm. you know and then I I know that I regret it mm. you know it came to that real, real, um, realization so I decided okay I told my okay I'm going to study mm. you know like I'm going but I do not know how I'm going to go <laughs> and uh, and but I'm going to do it <laughs> It's that kind of like, you know, I, I say it, yeah. I put it in faith, you know, and I'm gonna jump. <laughs> Let's just do it because if not now, then there's no other time. There's right? no other time, and and my kid at that point in time was two years old. It was still a little bit like, you know, not really un- fully understanding, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, and then I thought, okay, this is the seriously the only moment, <laughs> you know, I can't wait another year. Yeah. You, know, you know, yes, of course I can prepare my finances better yeah, next yeah, year yeah. Or, or, or I think so you know sometimes you will never know again unsure yeah. so now is the time you know so I decided okay let's do this yeah. so 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 you just just applied <laughs> for it and just went yes yeah there's some stories but yeah I'm gonna leave it at there so so yeah the leap of faith I call it you know and I want and I once I left uh, once I, I, I jumped, it was I was falling through the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're back again. Right? Yes. Back up again. Yes, back up again. I survived. <laughs> the most 
most important yeah. thing is that you never, you don't regret you don't it. <laughs> no, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. That's, yeah. That's but good. would you think that this is something that is important for freelancers to take note as as well? Because um, you know, freelancers as being their own, right? So sometimes it's also important to take a step back to see, you know, um, where is their skill levels? Yeah. How are mm. they competing among their peers? And whether there's really a need for them to actually consider seriously about upgrading themselves? Yes. Mm. I think um, it's, uh, it's an individual uh, decision. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for myself, that in that point in time, I, I, I know that I can go further. Mm-hmm. And so why am I not doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, that was the yeah. question I was asking myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was, I mean, I was, I'm frustrated that I hit the ceiling and I can't go further anymore. Mm-hmm. So... Particularly for your skill set. Yes. So, and I totally believe that if you want to, you know, in any craft, you have to, you have to be a master at that, Mm. you know, especially when you've been doing it for a long time and you want to be good Mm. or the best in it, you know. Mm. So, in fact, this question is more a question that you need to answer yourself Mm. for yourself. You know, that can you, do you want to do this? You know, um, should you, if you know that you can go further, why don't you do it? Mm. You know, and then, um, of course, there are so many reasons, you know, like for myself at that time was family, commitment, mm. you know, of course, uh, financial uh, uh, situations, yeah. you know, and all that kind of thing. And, and yeah, and, and of course, work, yeah. you know, but I think I'm a good uh, testimony that, it can be done. <laughs> so having been through all this, you know, ups and downs, you know, having been in the industry for so long, um, you know, do you see a great improvement in the media industry from when you first started till now? Media and maybe the freelancing. Yeah, freelancing. I think you mentioned a bit about freelancing as well. But okay. Freelancing, obviously, people are now more aware. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, uh, uh, with... Uh, uh, is it IMD? Uh, uh, with the system that they want to put in place, mm. um, is of course more beneficial, you know, and help to protect mm. the freelancers, mm. because a lot of companies uh, does not really uh, are not fully aware, mm. you know, that you know um, freelancers, you know, they need to be paid on time. <laughs> <laughs> you know things like this, you know, yeah. which is very crucial yeah. because for anybody who wants to be good at what they do. Mm. You know, we can't be worrying about finance all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know about others, but for myself, if once I think about it, right, I'll be paralyzed. Mm. You know, like there's some, like a thorn at yeah. the back of my head. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like a demon, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to pay this, you know. Where's the money? <laughs> you know, so, but, and then you'll be, f- you be fearful, you be pressured, you know, you're stressed. Mm. So the thing is, how do you produce good work in that sense? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's why in, in the more corporate um, um, environment, mm. let's say studio or, you know, or, or anything, you have somebody to take care of the finance or, yeah. you know, or a, a manager and then you do what you're supposed to be good at, mm. which is the music, yeah. you know, and don't worry about anything else. Yeah. You see? So, so, but as freelancers, mm. we don't have that kind of luxury. Yeah. The HR department is us as well. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, yes. So, but now, of course, yes, improve. You know, people are more aware. Mm. And we are still, of course, ongoing in this thing. We are not, we have not reached there yet, of course, yeah. you know. So, but preferably soon, you know. 
<laughs> so nobody really need to hound. You know, I mean, I, I've seen and of course heard from friends, even myself sometimes, you know, we have to kind of like uh, hound people, you know. Uh, you know, the 30 days, you know, is up. You know, we will appreciate <laughs> if you can pay us, you know. And we don't, I mean, we are not beggars, you know, and we don't like to beg, you know. But the thing is that, you know, sometimes companies sort of take advantage of that, you know. But that's, that's why I say it is good that there are some system at least being put in place, you know. Um, it's getting better, of course, with each year. So, uh, looking forward to the improvement. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, right now, right, with all your experience accumulated like that, you know, of course, life has brought you to this mm. this point of time. So is there one piece of advice that you give yourself, like back when you were starting out, do you think? Yes. It's that is to be actually be daring, uh, not to uh, keep thinking. Uh, you know, be active. That that's what it is. You know, and don't really think about uh, rejection so much. I mean, I'm again. I'm not. I'm not sure about. It's my own personal opinion. You know, um, for myself because I was a. I am an introvert. You know, by nature. So I, but I have to force myself. You know, to to be to go out of the shell. You know, to talk to people. You know, to 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 get things. And this is the only way to get it done. You know, and you have to voice out your ex- expression, mm. uh, your, what you're thinking, mm. you know. So not, nobody's going to say it for you. Yes, right? of course. So does it mean that you see in Asia for the music scoring, music composing part is really um, a, a big part or increasingly will be a very big part of Asian film as well? The thing is, film scoring is actually a Western art. You know, so it ex- it came from there, and the legacy is from there. You know, so um, symphonic sound mostly. You know, but there is a, of course, you can make it uniquely ours. You know, um, by by our own kind of uh, um, music, in the way we compose it. You know, so, but yes, uh, it it will be a huge part. Um, and I think right now, um, it is there's more exposure as well, you know. And of course, with technology, you know, and, and, um, and all, all this advancement, we can, we can do a lot of unique things, mm. you know. They did, I mean, technology leveled the playing field, of course, mm, yeah. you know. But um, we can add on, we can do interesting sounds. There are some instruments here that you can't get anywhere else in the world. You know, I only realized that when I was like half <laughs> the other side of the world. <laughs> like what? Like, like uh, even the Anklong and you know, like a lot of uh, Kalimba. Those very Asians, those Asian Asian musical sure. instruments. Yes. Sure. Yes. Oh. But yeah. it's the way we play. You know, sometimes we, okay, like sometimes we, we criticize, you know, hey, uh, the music sounds China. But to them, it doesn't sound like that, no? To them, they sound... Oh, it's nice, no? it's exotic. It's so before we end off, um, you know, just one last question, right? So what is the um, what is the advice that you would give to a freelancer today? Oh, okay. Today. Yeah, today. Yeah. Of today. I mean, what is that one piece of advice that you think is the most valuable to a freelancer who is going to start their freelance career today? Yeah, I guess you gave one to your younger self yes. just now. Yeah, okay. How about? I think the most important is uh, always be open. You know, uh, know what you're getting into, you know, and of course, um, um, 
let rejection be uh, something that spur you forward, mm. you know, not uh, be hurt by it. And uh, yeah, be brave, yes, and move forward all the time. Yeah, I think most important is that we can't stop moving forward. We just have to keep on going. Mm. We keep on, we have to keep on doing, mm. you know, and then we will get better at mm. what we do. Mm. You know, so, and, and I think the, as freelance, as someone who just wants to uh, start to freelance, mm. we kept thinking, uh, we, were, we were thinking that, you know, if we do this, we expect like, you know, that kind of quality. Mm. But it doesn't get there. You won't get there that, I mean, immediately. Yeah. You know, it will take you time. You need to learn. You know, better from you'll be better if you can learn from someone, of course. Yeah. You know, so but if you want to do it on your own, can but you must be realistic mm. about things, you know, and of course, plan. Right. I think that's the most important <laughs> plan. <laughs> yeah, great, that's good advice. <laughs> so, thank you so much, Alex, for coming down uh, and taking the time out for us today. You know, it's very good uh, hearing your experience, especially from a veteran in the media industry. Thank you. I think, uh, for both. Uh, other veterans mm. and also the new freelancers coming out and of course non-freelancers the client side of it I think is a very interesting aspect to hear uh, as, and also of your um, music background because I don't think there are a lot of people in this yeah. in this particular no. niche yeah. in Singapore yeah. so thank you so much for sharing your experience with yeah. us okay thank you to all viewers for tuning in um, for another episode of Freelance Exchange subscribe to our YouTube and leave a comment because we want to hear from you so follow us on Creatives at Work on Facebook and Instagram and join us for next time for another brand new episode of Freelance Exchange until then bye, bye. bye. have an awesome week see you